like physically pushing through, but you're also like feeding off other people in the room, right? And then as soon as your central nervous system goes, it becomes a game of just getting started. Like you almost feel better at the end of the workout. Welcome back to the show. For the first time ever, I interviewed two guests. Max Cutler and Steve Bart both made an appearance on the show before, but this time I wanted to interview them together. Max and Steve just recently completed 24 hero workouts in 24 hours as a pair. This is their second time completing this challenge together. We talk about the battles they faced over the 24 hours physically and mentally. We get into the difficulties around fueling for an event that provides unprecedented and unique challenges. We also discuss the drive behind taking on this challenge, powerful moments they experienced with their CrossFit communities, and what their hopes are for the future. A lot of people had questions for Max and Steve, and I'm confident that we will provide many of those answers in the podcast. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, real quick before we dive into the episode, you probably heard about this podcast directly from someone else or saw it shared on social media. We can only grow, spread our message further, and keep bringing in awesome and amazing guests with your help. If you could take five seconds and hop on whatever podcast platform you're using and leave us a review, it would mean the world to us. On to the show. Color, welcome to the show. What's going on, dude? This is exciting. This is our uh, very first podcast with more than one guest at a time. So it's either going to go amazing or it's going to be the worst decision I've ever made. So it's it's up to you guys. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be just outstanding. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we can live up to your uh, your expectations here. So. Um, one of the main reasons that I'm having you guys on, or arguably the main reason I'm having you on, is because you two just completed your second round of 24 hero workouts in 24 hours. And I know that in your personal lives, uh, a lot of people have been asking you questions as to the details of the event, why you do it, what it's for. So I want to dive into that with you because not only is it an amazing feat, but I have some questions myself um, in terms of the planning and the logistics of actually kicking this thing off. Um, so where do you come up with the idea of doing 24 hero workouts in 24 hours? Max, you got that one. Yeah, so uh, back in 2017, I guess 2018, 2017, Steve and I went up to CrossFit New England um, in Boston. We met a couple guys up there, um, former regional athletes and just really just great people. And one of them was preparing to go to buds uh and they were doing it to raise some money for the navy seal foundation and to prep uh this one guy to go and it ended up being something that steve and i were like that's really awesome we should do that down here and raise some money and steve was like well, let's do it with all army hero workouts as they did it with all navy hero workouts because obviously the hero workouts are uh just there's a million of them and steve and i gave it a go back in 2018 uh, and I would say we were grossly unprepared for all, all things considered what, what was going to go down, right? Whether it was the hydration, the, the food, the, the whole entire setup of having support there, because you don't realize how much support helps at midnight when you're on hour 16, right? So there was just a lot of things that kind of came up, but we wanted to give it a rock and, we kind of just did it on a whim. Uh, and I would say that there's a reason why it took us five years to do it again. Yeah, we will definitely get into why <laughs> why it took five years to pull this off again. But um, Steve, what was you know your perspective from the very beginning? Was, was Max the one that kind of pitched this to you or did you two kind of collaborate and come up with this idea? No, we, we did it together. So we had, we, like you said, we drove up to Boston and we had a pretty uh, long drive back and I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's where we were like you know what let's plan this thing out let's you know put it together put the idea in our head and and uh let it roll 
but now it was a hundred percent a collaborative effort. Amazing. What was the big why behind doing the event? I know you guys have, have roped some charities into this. Uh, can you, can you speak on that? Go ahead, Steve. Uh, for this year in particular, um, well, let me back up. Uh, two years ago, I started a nonprofit, uh, basically veteran focused nonprofit called redefining warrior culture. And, uh, all we really did to start was have a retreat for vets. Uh, and that cost us about three grand the first year. And then the second year we just did, it cost us closer to 10. Uh, and as we continue to grow, obviously the cost is going to increase. Uh, so we're looking to do fundraisers and, uh, you know, I shot Max a text and I said, what do you think about doing the 24 again to raise some money for uh, redefining warrior culture? And he, without literally without hesitation said, I'm in. And I was like, really? Like, you don't want to think about it for a couple minutes or, or talk it through. You just, you're just good. And he's like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, that's a good friend. Great friend. So he, uh, you know, he was all in with it and, uh, he supported the cause and he, you know, he's been involved with the, the nonprofit, uh, up until this point as well too. So he has a vested interest in that. So I know that, um, that was really the, the driving force to do it. And from there we, you know, we just had a few talks and conversations, uh, around how it would work. And then we, you know, made it happen. Now that was for this most previous go around. Were you also doing this for charity in the first time? No, it was more, I think it was more of a selfish endeavor the first time. Uh, I think we were just, we were training a lot. Uh, so we were extremely fit in 2018. I think Max, you went to regionals that year. Or I was one, one spot That's, away. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry. Sorry, subject, buddy. It's all good. Um, but yeah, we were, we were both pretty fit that year and we, we, uh, we said we can do this. You know, it was more like a, like I said, a selfish endeavor. Yeah. So with that first go round being it more selfish and in addition to that, both of you being at a higher level of, of fitness at the time, do you, did you set unrealistic expectations for doing the 24 workouts? Like, in other words, did you, were there things you learned the first time around that you made adjustments to going into the second? Uh, I can kind of speak on that. Yeah, I think with it being something a, a more of a test of fitness is how we looked at it, right? I, I think that the biggest thing there was like we didn't know what to expect. We don't really have contact with those guys up in Boston, right? We had just met them, and we thought it was pretty cool what they were doing, and we kind of just wanted to do it to test out our fitness. And there's so much more. It's so beyond fitness after three hours, right? And you're like 21 hours left, and it's like, you have to really trust the person you're doing it with, right? And like to preface this whole thing before we get too deep into this, Steve and I split every single workout, right? So we're not doing these individuals. So it's very, you're very reliant on your partner. Um, and the first time around was, we were like four hours in and Steve's like, hey, my pec's bothering me. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll do all the upper body stuff and you do all the lower body stuff. And we do that for about eight hours and then his pecs started to feel better and we switched, right? And it was like, you don't realize how, important is to do it with somebody that you trust right which it became like a more of a, a trust thing for us the first time around because you're doing something so incredibly hard with somebody right and you become like ultimately closer with that person or you fucking hate them but we, we became closer because of it yeah i mean i think that's a really good point that you guys had this very you know limited you had very limited resources in terms of the, the the people that you could talk to or even look up to that have done something similar to this. I mean, if you think about it, even at the highest level of the CrossFit Games, they're not testing the athletes for 24 hours straight, right? So the events usually have much longer time between them. Granted, the volume is going to be higher. Intensity is going to be a little bit uh, more rigorous. But the total volume over the course of 24 hours plus the, the, you know, the, the lack of sleep and trying to navigate nutrition uh, – be it in a, in a setting and in, a, and in a, an environment with demands that you guys are not used to at all, I'm sure provided some, uh, some challenges. hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, now how did you go about selecting the workouts the first time versus the second? All right. Let's so both times, on. yeah, both times I, I'll just program is not the right word because it's really hard <laughs> to like, program 24 straight workouts with rest times that are variable and work times that are uh, extremely aggressive and weights that are aggressive. So the first time was strictly based off of choosing uh, workouts for uh, heroes that served in the army specifically. So we had everything from, you know, 
workouts dedicated to rangers, to special forces operators, to motor sergeants, to you name it. They serve in the army. Uh, we tried to dedicate um, an hour of our time to them. Um, and obviously we wish we could do more than 24 at a time. Um, it's just the way that the fundraiser was developed by them. Um, but we've talked about evolving that in the future. So, but the, uh, the first time was strictly based off army. The second time, um, I'll put it together to make it more of a community event, um, where we wanted to get people involved right away. So barrier entry on most of the first workouts were super low. There was not any heavy barbells. There weren't any really high skills besides arguably Nate with uh, two muscle-ups at a time, but we had people modify that as they came in. Uh, but the very first workout was Riley, and Riley was just running and burpees. So we had about 20 people show up for that workout, and That's then awesome. more showed up after and after. Um, but as we progressed through the day, we I kind of strategically did like four intervals of three hours of kind of really tough, longer hero workouts with a follow-up of a shorter, maybe a sub 10, like a Randy, where it's 75 power snatches for time. Uh, and that workout took about three and a half minutes. So um, the format was every hour on the hour, no matter what. So if you only, if you took 55 minutes, then you just had a five minute break and you had to go right into the next part. Um, but for this, like I said, we wanted more community engagement and we wanted it to be a little more realistic in terms of us completing it. Um, but ultimately at the end, we ended with, um, on Memorial day, we ended with Murph and we had both of our gyms come together and do Murph with us as the very last workout. It was really awesome. But right before that, we did a workout dedicated to, um, Cole Condiff, who was a, a friend of, uh, my best friend, Chris McGinley, who passed a uh, member, member of, uh, the two, three down in Florida, um, special tactics squadron and, uh, doing that workout right before Murph, um, was you know I just I shot Chris a text and I was like hey man like we're doing uh we're doing Cole's workout just wanted to say uh you know we're thinking about you and, and everybody else but uh that kind of hit home for me uh that was uh a moment where I was like this is this is something I would like to do more often this is something that I think more people should get involved with because it'll bring a little more awareness to those uh those who really you know paid the price for us to do things like that um but in terms of programming again like just Ending it with Murph was a great way to get everybody to the gym um, to do that with us and then to give them a, kind of an understanding of like what we'd been through. And because we would do it as a team, there was downtime. So while people ask us questions while they're running and we're resting, we're kind of answering questions and giving them the rundown. Um, I'm sure answering the questions was probably just as hard as doing the workout at that point in the dude, night. I, I, I can't speak for Max and I'm sure it's the same answer, but like I loved it. At the end of it, I was sore, I was tired, but I had like a second wind when I saw 50 people show up to work out with us. Uh, I didn't really care what we were doing. I mean, our, our bodies were hurting. I think I had like a bicep thing going on. Um, didn't care. It was, everybody was there to support us and uh, support the mission. So that was, uh, that was really cool for me to see and to, to be a part of. Yeah, that's amazing. And it, just to make sure I have the timeline right, you guys started at eight in the morning and then finished at eight in the morning the following day? Yeah, so we did Murph seven a.m. the next day. Yeah, oh, that's to beautiful. Finish, to finish at eight, yeah, that's awesome. I want to break down kind of the the mental the and the physical pieces. Um, what were some of the physical challenges that you would say you kind of anticipated going in, especially coming off of having done this before? And then what were some surprises that that caught up to you guys? Yeah, so I can um, I can I think I can speak to the physical just because I had a little incident. Um, but um, we'll start in 2018. Uh, I would say being at the fitness level that I personally was at, and I know Steve was at at the time, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of fear. Um, we were already training four or five hours a day, and, and I was I was training six, seven days a week at the time, and I really just relied on my fitness the first time we did it. I, I And it sounds crazy, but I didn't really get hard until like hour 20 the first time we did it. Right. Uh, and this last time <clears throat> I didn't look at the workouts until the day before. And I said, I wasn't going to partially because I just didn't really want to think about it too much. And, and partially because I was extremely anxious and nervous, right. Cause I know that my fitness level right now is, is a, a percentage, right. A 10th of where it was back then. And it was like, I had trouble sleeping the night before just thinking about it because I was, I just know I, I'm not there. Right. And our, 
the 1 p.m. hour, we did Jerry, which is a mile run, 2K row, and a mile run. Um, and I was behind on hydration. This is the this time we did it. And my hands cramped to the rower, and my forearms and biceps cramped, and then my calves and hamstrings cramped, and I started to get, like, really bad heat exhaustion. Um, and, and, like, you just – your mind goes, like, crazy, right? Because you're just like, hey, I'm, I'm physically not there. We're in hour five right now how the fuck am I doing this for another 19 hours? Right. And like, you just start to go to like really, really bad places. And I think that was the, that was the hardest part physically and mentally for me was that point right there. Right. It took a lot of conversations to myself. Like I hopped in a cold shower. I like couldn't dry myself off because my arms were cramping and I was like, I'm going to fucking fall down in the shower right now. Like it was just like a whole, whole thing. Right. And then like you go into like, why am I doing this? And is this worth it? And, and all of that. Um, and there's obviously like a, there was a, a way bigger purpose this time around. Um, and I personally had a, like a huge reason for wanting to do it and thankful for Steve. And obviously he finished that workout essentially by himself and, and gave me some time to lay down. And we were, a couple hours later, we were back. So it was just, it was a game, but that was, that was the hardest part physically and mentally for me. And that was like the year over year kind of comparison. Yeah, the, the cramping story made me laugh because anybody that's experienced large regional or whole body cramping before, it is, it is a wild experience and one that uh, it is absolutely debilitating and it, it makes you humble immediately. Um, yeah, Steve, what, what has been, what was your experience physically with the workouts? So i'm definitely not as strong as i was so there's some barbell workouts that came out that i kind of second guessed myself like i don't know if i can do this you know 225 power clean or whatever it was um but we ended up doing it all but i think um physically we both at the end like if you're looking back in hindsight we both did great physically um minor hiccups but the the part to where max said he you know his body started shutting down I had to make a decision there to be like, well, I'm going to have to pick up the pieces now in hopes that he will do it later, which he, he obviously did because there was moments later in the day uh, and the night where I was like, I don't know if I can do this stuff. Like you're going to have to do some of this. And that's what, you know, going back to what he said as doing it as a team, you don't look at it as like, let's split these reps evenly on this workout. You looked at it more like, let's try to split the 24 hours of work as evenly as possible. And pick each other up when we need it because you're not going to both be perfect the whole time. Um, and I think that speaks a lot to the teamwork aspect of it. And, um, if I was going to pitch it to anyone else, I'd say that's probably one of the best things that you gain from it is learning how to be a really good member of a team and, uh, and work together with, you know, if it is your best friend or if it's somebody off the street, um, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if you guys have a, a goal that you want to achieve, you have to work together to do it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I could totally see people getting sucked into the idea that every workout needs to be split exactly 50-50. And obviously, depending on disparities in skill sets or strengths and weaknesses, and then in addition to that, obviously, hiccups and things that could come along for individuals as the day or night progresses, you might have to be willing to make adjustments, even if it means that you have to take on more for a particular workout when you absolutely don't want to have to do that in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it – was something else i kept saying sorry I, I felt like i was like letting our team down like for the next hour because i was like i don't know if i'm able to do this i was literally laying there with my feet straight up right you're like hoping that you can get blood out of your legs and you hopefully you can rehydrate and like over consuming sodium because i'm just like chugging an element packet so yeah i felt like it was going to explode now on the physical side how did you guys navigate cns fatigue did it kick in at all how did you keep it at bay that's a great question so I'll say that, and we go back to what we just said about our fitness levels, right? You're kind of in like a, I don't want to say like a delirious state, but like you're almost like after the first couple hours, vibes are really high. There's a lot of people there, right? And then the second you have a workout where it's like me, Steve, and like one other person, your central nervous system jumps off like a high dive, right? Like everything just kind of comes back down because you're like physically pushing through, but you're also like, feeding off other people in the room, right? And then as soon as your central nervous system goes, it becomes a game of just getting started. Like you almost feel better at the end of the workout. So you're like, oh, we got five minutes till we start this next workout and you feel like you can't touch your toes. But then when the workout ends, you're like riding high, like you wish you could just do another one right away, 
right? Mm. So it's interesting yeah. how like it took almost the whole workout, like ten to fifteen minutes, right? Like you have zero, you have zero anaerobic battery left, right? So that that's gone. It's like once you get the workout into like the aerobic state past seven eight minutes, you feel like okay, yeah, I could do this forever, and you're you're not sprinting, right? So once you get a sweat going and your your body starts moving again, your central nervous system catches up. But to start again, even though it was like only 20 minutes after our last workout, was just the hardest thing well, in the world. Let me say this too, Max, is like we also didn't warm up for anything. Yeah, it warmed for and I kind of programmed it that way where it was like I'm going to program a longer, slower running workout to start. I'm going to program a lot of body weight stuff to start, lighter weights, increasing in weight. So that way we use like the day to warm up. Um but we never actually like if the barbell said 120 185 and or 225 that's what we started with and it was like well, let's just see what happens um yeah i'm sure that's such a it's such a double edged sword cuz you probably in in essence were very warm through by the fact just by the nature that you guys were doing one workout after another with very minimal rest time between them or at least most of the workouts but i'm sure as the day progressed it probably you did you start to feel more stiff well the example or the, I guess the, the one that keeps coming back to me is DT. Uh, when we started DT, it's only a 155 pound barbell, but we had just done Holly man, which is a 225 pound barbell, um, that we modified to 185. Um, but when we got to DT, DT, we really didn't have a plan because I looked at Max and I said, I really don't know if I can even like hang clean this. My thumbs hurt so bad. Um, you know, my, my, uh, collarbones were all like bloody and bruised and stuff from the other five power clean workouts we did. But when we got to that part, it was more of just, uh, your, you, your training kicks in and you know how to move and you just moved as well as you could. Uh, but also the understanding of like, I'm not going to set a world record on this. I'm going to just do my best and, uh, and give it my best effort in this hour and uh, that, that kind of pushed us through on, on the workouts that we didn't think we could really get through. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was interesting with the, with the rest, right? So any for time workout, you controlled how much rest you got. So we could have took an hour to do DT, but then we were starting right away, right, for the next hour. So you had to ride that fine line of like we're pushing pretty hard to get this workout done because I know DT is a seven-minute workout for us as a team, but – now we get an almost 50 minute break, yeah. but like Steve can't grab the barbell, right? Like my hands are like super raw. So like I had to break the hand cleans up in two and three sets and you're like, we're trying to get this done. And we ended up just passing the last couple rounds essentially back and forth. We split the first couple rounds straight up and like that, that is a workout that stands out. Cause we were like, this is a big workout cause we can get a lot of rest after this. Mm. Right. So yeah, like you so look at every, every for time workout as rest. Right. So you're trying to get these things done. And we did none of these workouts slow. We tried to move as fast as we could without pushing too far on the gas pedal. Right. So I would say we never got to a point where we were out of control speed, but we were moving very fast through every single for time workout. And that, that too, like we know the nature of the hero workout. There isn't, you're not supposed to coast a hero workout. Um, and that, that like we wouldn't allow ourselves to just like, dog through it it was more like a all right like let's get moving and then let's start moving fast mm. so do you feel like you kind of build up momentum as you guys got into the workout your body's loosened up a little bit you guys found a rhythm yeah because part of it was like safety too like if we started at 100 miles an hour there's probably a higher risk of us getting injured and then not being able to complete the rest of the workouts uh so by easing into like the first round or two and then being able to pick up speed towards the end i think that kind of it allowed us to stay safe, but also to push the pace of the workout the way it should have been done. Gotcha. Now you guys probably found yourself on this weird balance beam where fatigue was starting to set in, but the workouts were so frequent that you didn't really have time to actually fall asleep. Um, I, I don't want to make an assumption, but I'm, I'm assuming you guys did do a little bit of like NSDR, that non-sleep deep rest, kind of just shut your eyes, lay there for a little bit. Can you walk me through trying to find ways to, to recover and tune everything out? I, uh, I, sl yeah. I slept. Yeah, Max, um, Max did a good job of sleeping. <laughs> I, I just threw my feet up every single chance I had and just closed my eyes, and I was snoring a couple times. Um, 
I was woken cut. up with some members too. Like I yeah. remember somebody woke me up before uh, Swole Cole, and that was at six o'clock in the morning. And I had, we had just done uh, DT, so we did have that bigger break. And I remember like laying down immediately after. And then somebody was like, "Hey, man, there's like 25 people here. You might want to get up." And I was like, "I don't care who's here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. stay sleeping until there's two minutes left of this uh, this rest clock, and then I'll get up." That was the I would say that was the hardest part in the beginning. And if we do it again, right? There's obviously gonna be like. It'll get better every time it gets done. Um, but essentially, I said, if, 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 if we do it again, but the, um, the first couple hours right? you're trying to take pictures of the people you're talking to the members that are coming and people were every single hour, somebody was there, which is so cool. Yeah. But by the middle of the night, you're done kind of like taking pictures and saying hi to people, right? It becomes like Steve said, we finished DT and I literally just turned around, took my shoes off. And just put my feet up and close my eyes. I didn't care if there was 50 people in there. Yeah. Right. And it just like was what it was. Um, Cause that kind of bounced off what Steve just said with the 25 people there. Cause you felt kind of guilty. You want to hang out with these people. They want to talk to you. They want to ask questions. And it was awesome. Uh, but that side of it was, was more important at the time. Well, they had a social aspect to it as well. So the first time we did this, it was like me, Max and five other people. And like people came throughout the day. I'm not going to say nobody was there. Cause there were some people that did show up. But it, this time, there was literally somebody there working out with us every single hour to include the midnight 1, 2, 3 a.m. hours um, with some of those hours being, like, the busiest. Like, I remember 3 o'clock in the morning, there was 20 people in there, maybe 25. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it's it amazing. Kind of, it's just a good boost. But then there was also people there 11, 12, 1 o'clock at night that are – they brought their own beers, and they're like, they'll do the workout and then just slam a bunch of beers. And yeah. that was cool, too, because I'm like, you guys are doing – you know, you're enjoying this – uh, for yourself as well. And you're making it uh, about you, which is what I want you to do. Um, you know, I want you to enjoy being here doing this with us because if you're, if you're just doing it for us, you know, it's, it's hard to get the buy-in, but if you're there and you're like, you're locked into your own, uh, you know, your own game and doing exactly what you want to do, there's a better chance that you have a better time and, uh, ultimately, you know, share, share more of your experience with other people. Yeah. Now in hindsight, when you look at the, the sleep component, do you think, A, it would have been possible to get some rest in earlier, right, given you you know strategically put the workouts in certain orders? Or do you think that you basically just let your body tell you when it was time to hit the snooze button? I think the latter. I think you have to just let your body tell you when to, when to chill out because if you're riding high, you kind of want to just kind of ride that the whole time. Okay. Um, it's kind of like what Steve said about splitting the workouts up. Like there was a couple hours early on where after I had cramped, Steve did the majority of the workout and then we flipped the script later on just cause he was a little bit more tired and I was just like, Hey, let's get this done. Um, and I think you just gotta, I would say ride the hot hand, like we're playing basketball, but like you kind of just gotta ride mm -hmm. the hot hand when it comes to, to helping each other out. So I, I, I don't think it can be controlled like that. I think it's just when it happens, it happens. Yeah, did you feel better after getting, you know, 20, 30 minutes of shut eye? No, I felt awful. Way worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like a hundred times worse. Because your body um, like tightens yeah, up. Yeah, you, you full relax. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you're in that like parasympathetic yeah, state. Almost, and that's something start, we didn't really start plan to get for. Sore. Yeah. Oh, if we, if yeah. we had a workout right after we if we had like a big break and then we programmed a workout that was something that we could like ease into like maybe a longer row like if it wasn't a hero workout it could be like row 5k as a team it wouldn't be that bad right but because the next workout was like 36 inch box jumps and power cleans you kind of just had to turn that off and start going yeah it was that was like I, I i felt myself getting sore every time i woke up from sleep i swear when i didn't sleep i was i was okay to kind of get right into the next workout so that was that was kind of like the game you're playing. Yeah. Well, I want to dive into next the nutrition piece a little bit, because I'm sure you guys learned some big lessons after the first time. Uh, what were some of the, the lessons and things you learned going into this back in 2018 from the nutrition perspective? Um, last time we had one of our members bring us like 29 tacos and that was like our fuel source outside of gummy bears and Gatorade. Uh, so I say all that to say we didn't really know what we were doing with nutrition. We kind of just were eating everything we could. So now that we went into this year, um, 
we did a better job of having things readily available. So people brought us, there must've been a thousand Gatorades in there. There was bananas, there was oranges. We had pizzas delivered. I mean, anytime we could eat, we tried to eat, especially in the beginning. Um, the beginning we would eat things that were easily digestible just to continue to eat. Um, and I had a little rule in the beginning for myself that I, I put a little piece of tape around my water bottle. And I said, you have to drink uh, at least down past this line every time you do a workout. So mm. I had yeah, like little things in place, but. Yeah, you're definitely just playing a game of like what's too much and what's too little. And you yeah. can't really worry about what you're doing next, right? Because normally you'd be like, oh, I'm about to run two miles. Let me not eat this pizza and Pop-Tarts. But yeah. But it's hour 12, so you're like, hey, I need to, like, just eat something, and I'll just ease my way into it. And it's funny because, like, I – when I – back when I was training a lot, like, I used to, to practice during my sessions eating something, and I used to practice training on a full stomach, and I used to do all that stuff, like, in preparation for competitions where you're doing multiple high-intensity workouts in a day, and that was something that I used to work on a lot and it's funny how, like, when you lose that ability to, like, be in control of your food, like, how quickly that starts to aggravate you when you start moving again. And that was yeah. that was the that was the game you're playing, right? It's essentially a seesaw game of what's too much and what's too little uh, because you can't fall behind, right? And I, and I obviously fell behind mainly because of, of the intensity and the volume, right, that my body wasn't prepared for with the cramping. But you're just playing a catch-up game where you don't want that to happen again. Did either of you load going into this? I did. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I think Max oh, yeah. sent me a picture of uh, Chick-fil-A sandwiches beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, had, we had a shit ton of food. Four bags of jasmine rice the night before with, like, chicken and a couple steaks. So I, like, yeah, I ate probably, I don't know, 2,000 calories the night before. But that was not, I mean, that's nothing. Because the right. whole day... We, we calculated it. Um, Nate ended up doing eight workouts with us in a row. He did eight straight. Uh, so shout out for Nate and his eight. But uh, he said he burned like 6,000 calories or something ridiculous like that. Oh, I'm sure. Nonstop movement. So if that's a third of it, we said maybe it wasn't triple that, but let's say it was double. If you're burning 12,000 calories in a day, it doesn't really matter what you're eating at that point. No, and I think, you know, one of the challenges that you guys obviously faced here was that even at an event, like a normal CrossFit type event, you have to be very structured and strategic with your nutrition, by the way, of not overfueling with certain types of foods in between events. But at the end of the day, you get to have a full meal. You guys never really had that opportunity in this because the workout was right around the corner, right? Like you finish a workout and the next one's looking over that shoulder and it's like, Hey, see you in 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could like arguably say there's, there's no studies done on this, right? Cause like there's, there's ultra marathons, but running is way different than power cleaning 225 and doing a 36 inch box jump at 12, right? It's different than running an ultra marathon. So it's not like you're, you're able to carb load or you're able to, try and switch and eat a bunch of fats like these ultra marathon runners are doing. It's just not even comparable. Right. So it's, it becomes a game of like, Hey, how do you feel? Or, or you kind of just have to go off of, of where you're at currently, as opposed to what's written. If that makes you sense. Know yourself too. Like you have to know how your body digests certain foods. Um, like if I was going to give any advice to someone, I'd say tr practice eating things and like writing them down and see how they feel right before you work out. And if you know that your stomach gets upset from eating cheese pizza right beforehand, like if you were somebody planning to do this, then maybe that's not your, your <laughs> Does Would anyone go for the cheese pizza? We, me and Max, I, I probably ate two pizzas by myself. Really? Maybe oh, more, very, yeah. very oh man, I, that, would, that would destroy me. No, well, that's what I mean. So I know that when <laughs> I eat like cheese, it doesn't, you know, it, it sits well with me, I'll say. But... For other people, maybe it doesn't. So knowing that I can like eat that or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or, or just something to con you know consume something, I knew what would give me problems. Like I'm not gonna go do uh, Randy and then slam a pound of shrimp scampi. You know, like <laughs> I don't know who would be worse for you or for Max. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 Max I'll, has say, I'll, I'll say I never, I never, uh, I never eat like that regularly, right? Um, 
So it's really just a, for me, it, it was, my stomach was terrible, right? The whole entire time, right? I don't want that to be TMI, but it was awful. Like the last 12 hours was brutal, yeah. but you're, you just don't want to fall behind. So it's like, that's on the other side of you not eating something. So eating the pizza and pop tarts didn't sit very well with me, but it was better than having full body cramps. Right. So for me, it was just, I didn't want, I wanted to avoid that so badly. So it's I was just trying e- to give easy anything. calories too. Like it, we, we needed things that were just easy calories that honestly, like that we wanted to eat. So I don't ever really eat for taste much. Uh, but for this, I was like, I want something that I want to eat because I know I need to eat a lot of it. Uh, right. I don't, I don't want to sit there and eat like uh, chicken and rice because I just didn't want to eat that. I had well, to find out what I wanted. And not for nothing, like certain foods, like chewing is, is, is adds to exhaustion. You know what I mean? Like if you're gnawing through like a bunch of T-bones, it's, yeah. it's not the most pleasant experience when you're already extremely fatigued and tired. Absolutely not. Now, we got into the mental piece a tiny bit as we talked about, you know, some of the the constraints around sleep and and those sort of things. But what other mental battles did you guys face uh, as you got into the, you know, the the later parts of the day? Um, So I think you can't really have like a huge ego going into this. Like you're going to win a workout or you're going to, you know, try to race in a sense, like whoever showed up to do the workouts with us, we kind of had to make it known like, Hey, all of us are doing this as a team. And and the one that stands out to me is uh, we did 31 heroes with eight people. So originally 31 heroes is a team of two workout um, where one person runs 400 meters with a medicine ball. The other does an AMRAP of rope climbs, thrusters and box jumps. So when the person gets back from the run, they switch. But since we did every workout split, we decided to make that a team of four workout. So there was two running and two inside. So the whole thing was split. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did it with two separate teams of four to have eight people. And having everybody bought into the fact that like, we're going to go for 31 minutes and we're going to do this, you know, all together. It took away the ego. It took away the racing aspect. It didn't take away the intensity. It, it just made it more of like a, I'm next to you if you need me kind of thing, uh, which, you know, that to me was one of the coolest workouts we did, especially because Chris, uh, Chris Clyde came and did it with us and he's one of the fittest guys in the country right now. And he, you know, he, he just did the workout as a normal guy with us and there was no racing, there was no ego or nothing. We all just did it together. Yeah. That's awesome. I I can, I can speak on the mental side of it. The biggest thing for me was post cramping, right? Cause I, I can't go, can't talk about that enough. Right. Like it, 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 drastically changed how I approached every workout. I, I mean, I, I literally had to, I mean, we, were, we weren't even counting, like I'll do five, you do five. I was just doing a couple reps. And when I would feel cramping come on, I would stop and then let Steve go. And that's how we were passing things back and forth. So I started to look at the workouts that we had to do. And I knew which ones were going to be the hardest for me with the muscle fatigue. So for me, it was like looking at pillars, right? Like I knew like the, the one, the 1 a.m. workout was a huge pillar for me. It's like, okay, get over that and we're coasting until 5 a.m. And it's like, get over the 8 p.m. and we're coasting until midnight, right? And it's like, that's that was the hardest mental fact for me post-cramping. So it was like just constantly playing a game in my head of like what workouts are going to, am I going to have the, the toughest time with, right? So I kept looking like three, four hours ahead, which probably isn't the best thing to do, but I knew I wasn't going to quit. And I knew Steve was going to be able to help me out. So I was just like, Hey, like I, we were at four o'clock in the afternoon. I knew 8 PM was a grind. And I just kept thinking about that the whole time we're doing four five and six, seven. Like I didn't care about the workout. I knew we were going to do it fast. It was just like, damn, that eight o'clock hours can be tough. And then we get to coast for a couple hours. And then it's like, okay, that, that 1 AM is going to be really hard. And then we get to coast for a couple hours. That was mentally, it was like pillars. That's how I looked at it. Like on a bar graph, the 8 p.m. was a 10 and everything else was a 5, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's that's what gave me the anxiety and, like, the stress. And that was the hardest thing mentally. So you guys had some workouts that were a bit more daunting just given the, the, the task and requirement. And probably, you know, back to the CNS fatigue, like, things like 36-inch box jumps and 225-pound power cleans. Like, you can't fabricate 
the energy to do that. Like that's one of those things where you can run to a point where you just, you have the energy to be able to, to like, to actually accomplish that or you don't. Whereas something like running, rowing, like you can, you can find the will to continue to move. Yes. Which is why this is, this is so different. Yeah. Which is why this is so different. Right. And I know we'll get into like, will we do this event again and stuff like that. Um, part of the reason for doing this, right. The biggest reason for doing this is to support the nonprofit and all of that. And, and the, the personal side for me is like, I, I read a book, uh, called comfort crisis, which I'm sure you've read, right. Um, Somewhere back there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. And it's a awesome book. Um, and it was just, I want to do one really hard thing a year, right. There's a 50% chance of, of finishing it. And I, and I didn't, and I, I didn't know what it was going to be. And that's why I said yes to, to Steve so fast, right? Last year, we roughed 52 miles from Dover to Dewey. That was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Second being our 2018 attempt, right, of this. And I knew that I wanted to do something that was my fitness level's not there. I haven't been training for this. I, I, I'm not even close to it, right? So I knew that this was going to be that thing. And, and I just kept going back to that, right? And every time I had a really hard mental point, that was – kind of what came up for me. It's like that feeling at the end is euphoric. You can't, you can't simulate the feeling you have when you finish something like this because it's so hard and you can't even explain to people and you can't, somebody's like, why are you doing that? Right. It's like, you just have to kind of just, people are just too comfortable. Right. And, And this is something that, that this was that for me. Yeah. Uh, me too, man. I mean, from, you know, having everything at our fingertips constantly from being able to get whatever you want uh, at a moment's notice. Uh, There's something about putting yourself through a daunting task that keeps you tough, that keeps you sharp, uh, keeps you uh, a little motivated because if I hadn't been training for the past five years and I attempted something like this, I might be injured. I might be hurt. I'm, you know, I might not be able to complete it. Um, and to me, it's not really about the the feat of completion. It's just about like the ready state and being in a constant state of I, I'm normally ready for whatever um, you know whatever comes. And that to me makes me proud of my decade plus of training because I feel like it's it's afforded me that ability um, to to remain at a certain level of fitness. Uh, and that that was a uh, kind of a reason to, to retest it too is to see does the training that I've been doing uh, work for for long-term fitness and I think it does so yeah and I you know speaking of the the comfort crisis um, I, you know I think one of the main premises of the book is to tr- to do things that you're that there's not a hundred percent certainty you're going to be able to accomplish and I think what you two set out to do with this and also the the, the 52 mile rock is that you know the wall is coming like you know you're going to hit the wall at least once if not multiple times and it's going to hit back in ways that are unexpected like max I'm sure you didn't go into this thinking I'm ready to cramp for the next 12 hours you know and steve you're not you're not going into these types of events thinking like oh my pack is going to feel on the verge of tearing and i'm not going to have to know how to navigate that because i've never done it before um so yeah i'm sure having those moments and then have being able to overcome them especially together was something special absolutely yeah absolutely i mean part of part of the comfort crisis thing is you have to do something that there's a 50 percent chance of you finishing that's the one rule the second rule is you can't die Right. And the third rule is you can't train for it. So I love how you can't die is the second rule. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it should be. I mean, it's, I don't think they're, I think they're interchangeable. I that. know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So this is the second time through with this. So let's talk about it. Is, is this going to become more of a normal thing? I know you guys really involved the community this past year and there was a lot of powerful moments and you guys spoke to that. Um, is this something that you see continuing forward? I'll I'll speak on it real quick before Steve. Steve's organizing this event, right? And uh, I'll, the one thing I'll say about the conversation this, the conversation we had about doing it again and talking to people and even talking to people during the day, right? And back to the comfort crisis book, and you'll find this amusing. But every single person was like, "This is so awesome! Next year we should have food catered. Next year we should have IVs on site. Next year we should do." teams of five next year we should do all these things and like 
I laughed and like, you don't say anything, but it's like the natural reaction for people is this is so cool. You guys are doing that. Let's make it easier, right? Let's, let's figure out a way to make this just more comfortable and more easy. And, and so everybody can do it. And like, you don't say no to their face because they're, they're great and they're super nice and they're there at midnight with you. But like, that's the first thing. Like I just kept going back to that book all day and it's just like crazy how that's the first thing people want to say is you guys should have IVs here. You guys should have food catered in every couple hours. You should have all this stuff. You should have chairs. You should have beds. You should have all this stuff. And it's like, that's not the point. So I'll let Steve kind of talk about the, the next, next steps with it. Yeah, so overall, we ended up raising a little over five grand, uh, which is it exceeded my expectations. I I wanted to raise twenty five hundred bucks. That was my goal. Uh, We ended up raising five grand. Uh, We charged five dollars per workout, so significantly uh, undercut the competition, if you will, from any other quote unquote fun thing that someone could do for two hours. Um, so for 10 bucks, you get to hang out with us for two hours and do two workouts coached by us too, until we couldn't really talk or walk anymore. Um, but most of the people that did it front loaded and, uh, and donated up, up front, but, um, we definitely have plans to do it again, uh, in some capacity. I, I do. I really, really liked it. The way that Max explains it to everyone where it's like, this is our crucible or this is our, our tough task of the year and we want to keep it tough. I don't want it to be easier. So the most we would probably ever do is have you do it as a team of four um, to where we can still uh, get you know the team aspect of it and you still do about 12 hours of work uh, or whatever you're capable of. But if somebody wants to do the whole thing, I really highly encourage you to do it the way that we did it uh, at least once. That way you can get that under your belt and then, you can, then we can all have a conversation about uh, that together. So I would say... If it's something that you're yearning to do, uh, give it a shot. Definitely talk to us if you have questions about it. Um, but we will do something like this, if not the same thing again. Uh, I know we've we've had a crazy brainstorm since we started, where we wanted to get um, a ruck involved with it into you know doing hero workouts, then tag team and go down to um, one of the local jujitsu gyms and have people roll around the mats for a few hours and, and make it more of an event spectacle fundraiser. Uh, but then we kind of went back to it and said, this is kind of our thing around here. And we want to make sure that this gets the, the value and the uh, attention it deserves because it is a really cool event and uh, it has a potential to be something really big. And then last thing is exactly what Max was saying. People were coming up to us like, we should rent out the PAL Center for this. We should, you know, like we should make it more comfortable. And in the moment, it sounds good because you're hurting and you want it to be easier, but in hindsight, if you take away those variables, it brings the the atmosphere back to where it should be. It it makes it tough, and that's what it, I think it should ultimately stay. Mm, I yeah. love that. We're we're riding that we're riding that fine line of wanting this to be an awesome fundraiser, right? And make as much money as possible for the thing that we're supporting. But we're also riding that fine line of, of, of keeping it hard, right? In the simplest, the most simple way is this should be really hard, and whether that means you only come for six hours and we, and, and we raise a little bit more money or people only come for 12 hours and we raise a little bit more money. It's, it's something that, that should be difficult. Um, so that's something that we have to kind of run, run the numbers on. Um, like I said, to Steve and, and his team with the nonprofit and just say like, Hey, let's, let's set a realistic fundraising goal and let's figure out how we can reverse engineer back to it. But let's try not to alter the, the actual event itself. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, what you guys did was incredibly admirable, and I, I think it, it speaks to the powerful moments of, of what you have explained that you two both experienced, but not just that, but the the, the moments that the, the community has experienced as part of being with you guys through this process. And I think that was very much highlighted in the difference between the first go-round where it was more of a selfish pursuit to this time when it was much more community-driven. Um, and I have <laughs> nothing but confidence for you guys that you'll you'll continue to grow this thing into something that is you know big and beautiful while maintaining uh the the the, uh you know rigorous nature to to what it is you're looking to get out of it so um i hope we answered all of the great questions for everyone that's been asking you know you guys 
how this event went, what did you eat, uh, you know, how did it feel? Um, I know both of you have been fielding a lot of stuff, and I hope that we have, you know, served the audience well and, and giving them all the answers they were seeking. Yeah, one, one last final thing on what you just said. It's funny because I don't know if Instagram's bigger now than it was in 2018, but I, I can't speak for Steve, but I've gotten so many more questions about it from people that don't do CrossFit or weren't there this time around versus last time around. It's, it's, it was, it's very interesting. Like you don't, when you're in the moment, you don't realize the depths of it. Right. But there's so many people that have so many questions and it's, it's awesome that we're able to hop on here and talk about it like this. Um, but it's, it's crazy. The amount of just people I, I, I see for the first time in a couple months, they're like, Hey, I saw you do that thing on Memorial day. What, what was that about? What is that like? Well, how'd you do that? Like, it's crazy that the depths in 2018, it was like, we went home and slept for eight hours and I woke up the next day and went to work. Right. <laughs> I actually took out my power snatch after the last time. I hit a 2.5 power <laughs> snatch after the 24, and then the next four days I couldn't walk. <laughs> you were still riding the high wave, and then then it, then it fell. And yeah, not, and, but not uh, I. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I know you know you guys have posted some stuff about this on your your personal pages. Is there anywhere centrally um, that you people could go to if they want to learn more about what you guys did? Yeah, so if you go to RDWC underscore actual uh, at, on Instagram, uh, that's the nonprofit page. And I'll have a ton of pictures up once they're done uploading. Uh, I know they should be good in the next few days. Um, but there are a few pictures of just Max and I on there uh, from the event itself. Uh, thanks to Anupa Photo. She took a, a ton of pictures for us. Um, but we, uh, we should have more information and then hopefully pick another date. Uh, for next year and the next few months uh, if it's something we want to do again so just stay tuned over there definitely give that page a follow so you can stay up to date um, and one more thing uh, the, the nonprofit um, there's a few events per year we, we have a basically a system of fundraising that we want to do where we uh, kind of follow the protocol of shoot move communicate so we had a firearms fundamentals course uh, taught by some really high level instructors and then we just did this event for our move event and then we have a, uh, a happy hour social for a communication event in October. So for now, that's kind of the extent of how I want to, um, you know, run the nonprofit and, and raise funds because I, I told Max this when we started, I don't like the idea of it growing exponentially uh, outside of my control to where I would lose control of it. I like it to be organic. I like it to be kept within one degree of separation. So Derek, thank you for, for having us on here and letting us chat about it with you because I don't really think I'd feel comfortable talking about it with uh, anybody but you because you're somebody we know. And, uh, you know, again, I really appreciate you giving us some time to, to speak on it. And I hope this time next year we get to hop on and recap. Yeah, I was happy to be able to hold the mic for you too. So this has yeah, been awesome. fun. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And we will uh, post all your information in uh, the show notes so everyone can check you guys out. Awesome. Thank awesome. you. Nice, Derek. Cool. Thank you. If you feel like the gym is one big, confusing, and intimidating playground, a personalized coach from Hardbat Athletics can work with you remotely to help match your goals to an actionable plan. You'll get workout videos and descriptions and have access to coaching calls to make adjustments when you need them. Let us take the guesswork out of your fitness and nutrition. Visit www.hardbatathletics.com to chat with a coach today.